Welcome to the Return to the Forgotten Path podcast. Join us on this journey to travel to a forgotten pathway that leads to rest and restoration. This podcast is a weekly Bible study of this week's Torah portion, known as a Parsha. It's a weekly reading according to the Jewish annual Torah cycle. Every week, we will have a discussion filled with both historical and cultural viewpoints as it pertains to the return to the forgotten path that is increasingly happening all around the world. We will review and share opinions from the weekly Torah, also known as the five first books of the Bible or the Mosaic Law. We will also do readings from the Haftorah and the Brit Hadashah, or the New Testament readings. For those who ask, what is the forgotten path? Jeremiah 6.16 puts it like this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Our podcast seeks to point our listeners to that ancient old path through the study of the Bible from the perspective of the Torah, which is properly translated as instructions. And now the blessing before the Torah study. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of the Torah. Amen. This Torah portion is Kitavo, which is translated in English as when you come in. The Torah portion comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, verse 1 through 29, verse 8. The Haftarah from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 22, and the Gospel from the book of Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 through 24. For those reading along with us, utilizing uh, excuse me, Hebrews for Christians, the Brit Hadashah portion is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, and Revelations 21, verses 10 through 27. Last week's Torah portion, Kitadze, listed no less than 74 of the Torah's 613 commandments, covering a wide assortment of rules related to the social life in Israel. In this week's portion, Moshe concludes the legal section of the discourse by first ordaining that the first fruits, bikurim, of the crops be brought to the priests in the central sanctuary in a prescribed ritual. The parsha begins, when you come into the land, the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it. You shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. The, to fulfill the commandment, to offer the first fruits, bikurim, each Jewish farmer was required to travel to the sanctuary with the best samples of his new crops to present before the altar. According to Jewish tradition, the first fruits of the crops referred particularly to the Shavat Ha'amim, the seven species of fruits of the promised land, wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, and dates, according to Deuteronomy 8, verses 8. As soon as a Jewish farmer saw the first sign of a ripening fruit in his field or orchard, 
he would tie a string or a reed around it and designate it as bicarine. Later, he would pick the best samples of these fruits, put them in a basket woven of gold and silver. The poor used wicker baskets of peeled willow branches and set off for the Mishkan or later the temple in Jerusalem to present his offering at the sanctuary. Technically speaking, the season of Bikarim began after the holiday of Shavuot in late spring. And indeed, Shavuot is sometimes called Chag, Chag Bikarim, the festival of first fruits. Bikarim were associated with the harvest season, though they could be presented throughout the summer until the time of Sukkot fall harvest. The Talmud relates that a large procession of Jewish farmers would place their baskets on oxen adorned with garlands of flowers in a grand parade to the sanctuary. The oxen would later be sacrificed as a peace offering. As the pilgrims passed through various towns along the way, they would be accompanied by still others who wished to rejoice with them in Zion. Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 3. This begins the study of Kitavo. And we begin with chapter 26, verse 1. And here begins the reading. When you, be, when you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and living it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket. And you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in the office at that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there he became a nation, great mighty and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. That concludes the reading from 1 through 11. So, Getting into this from the beginning, there are some that are going to say, well, that only applies to the physical land of Israel and it doesn't apply to anywhere else on planet Earth where we find ourselves. I think spiritually, the point is being missed. Wherever the Lord plants you, wherever he causes your hand to prosper, wherever he is enabling you to do good, to establish his covenant, is where you give honor, you give thanks, you return that offering. Yes, there's not a physical temple anywhere outside of Israel or anywhere else at this point right now. But that doesn't mean that there's no honor or responsibility to give back unto God a portion of what he's given unto you. If for no other reason, then 
to say thank you. You recognize where you've been, where you were wandering, how God has treated you through the quote-unquote wilderness years, how he's brought you out of that into a marvelous place, and recognizing all that has been done, you're giving thanks. What would you like to say, LaFerrin? In light of that, I want to um, describe the laws concerning first fruits. Um, in Hebrews for Christians, they go into the Ma'aser. The Ma'aser is the tithe of the tenth. And there are specific rules laid out um, according to how an individual's yearly tithe, it, it is one-tenth of the harvest, or its equivalent, which was to be distributed among the priests and the Levites. From the remainder, an additional one-tenth was to be set apart for the use at the sanctuary during holidays or during the third and sixth years of the seven-year sabbatical cycle and distributed locally to the poor. And so here's a list of the several types. So notice that when we tithe on a tenth and we think we're done, there is not uh, an alignment with that according to the scripture. So terumah. After harvesting any crop, one-fiftieth of the field was to be separated for the kohen as a contribution. Uh, crop remainders. Jewish farmers were required to leave grain at the edge, cultivated uh, the cultivated field so that the poor can harvest it in every season. And generally a farmer would leave one-fiftieth of his crops as pia for the poor. In addition, the leket, the leavings or dropped stalks, were for the poor. And the shikaka, the shikaki, or shikaka, 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 excuse me, um, the leaving or the forgotten bundles for the poor during the harvest were also commanded. Then there was the maaser bihima, which is a kosher cattle, were tithed. And one-tenth of those animals were to be brought to the sanctuary to be offered as a sacrifice. And then there's the Ma'aser Rishon, a tenth of a farmer's produce, was to be given to the Levite who did not have their own portion of land in Israel as a regular tithe. The amount, this amounted to supporting the priesthood and Torah teachers of Israel. Then you have the Ma'aser Shani, the harvest was tithe a second additional time after separating the Ma'aser Rishon on the first, second, fourth, and fifth years of the seven-year sabbatical cycle, or Shemitahs. This produce was taken to the appointed place of worship, Shiloh and later Jerusalem, and eaten there in celebration. Then you have the Ma'asir Oni. In the third and sixth years of the seven-year Shemitah cycle, that Ma'asir Shani was given to the poor, the Levites, and the strangers instead of being brought to the appointed place. And then you have the Ma'asir Kesafim, Kisifat, excuse me. Today, most tithing is done in terms of money, called the ma'asir kesafim, a tenth of money. This is the traditional term for the tithe on money income, and is distinguished from cattle agricultural tithes. Every Jew is obligated to give a tenth of his earnings to charity, a custom that goes back to Abraham in Genesis 14, verse 20. And Jacob, who pledged to God that everything that you give me, I surely will type to you. Genesis 28, verse 22. Um, all tithes were to be given on the honor system and were not enforced by religious authorities. Instead, 
A formal vow was made every three years stating that the proper amounts had been separated and given as tithe. This is called the Vi'idu Ma'asir, according to Deuteronomy 26, 13, and 14. After making this declaration, the farmer would ask the Lord to bless the land, to yield bountiful harvest, to look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people, Israel, and the ground that you've given to us as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. So I, I agree with you, um, RJ, in regards to Obviously, the, the structure for exactly what these were were not necessarily explained in the scripture, but the tradition or the halakha for a lot of this was given by virtue of how the Jewish people regulated how the tithes would come in, who it would go to, what was the tradition. But you know what really got me last uh, when I was reading this was the fact that there was a procession of the agricultural when they saw the procession of the people coming with the gifts people would rejoice with them and i i wonder both spiritually and um culturally in our t in our time do we get excited and do we rejoice with our brothers and sisters when they come with their wave offering or their um their maaser uh what is it called for the money kesafim do we rejoice with them? Because I think about like how much breakthrough for somebody that may have been to have been able to have obtained that increase. And I recalled when we used to uh, attend the prior congregation, they would have the families come up. And I do feel like that was a, a point of rejoicing. And in the current congregation that we are in, they normally play music, but I don't think we think of it in the same way. That when they are bringing up a tithe, that we should come rejoicing. We should come rejoicing with them that they are able to give that tithe of the increase. If we perceive it in the light of what the scriptures have indeed given as the order for tithing, we really should be like excited and coming down with them, even if we're not coming before Hashem to give a tithe. You get your point. Makes sense. You know, it just goes back again to remember why you do the things you do and bring it with uh, full intentionality of the moment versus uh, routine obligation or task. Okay. Uh, but it's also the, um, I think when you've grown accustomed to order, religious orders, you don't re realize that the intent and purpose of bringing the offering was just like the Korbanat offerings were about drawing near. And when Hashem has blessed them, you are rejoicing because you know that I have the full expectation He will bless us collectively. It's not just you, it's us. And that's why you would go rejoicing with your brothers. And, and it's, first of all, the picture in my mind is amazing because they have this cattle adorned with flowers. All the baskets from, imagine how many different farmers in the, in the region are going up. And they're going through a lot of towns and it's a processional that they have. Then uh, I think one uh, minister that I listened to said that they had to sleep outside just to protect the offering as they were going up. And then in the, um, the, the writings about how were they supposed to keep the, this grain, that there was an order, even how they would put it into the basket. 
because some are more weightier, the, the, the seven species that I mentioned, than others. So that you, you preserve them for the length of time. And then this last list here that says that you were to confess that you had brought it all, right? It was an honor system. Um, and that how often do we, and I know that you and I talked about this less than a month ago, have a, a challenge being honorable in regards to tithing when we have to hold on to something. They had to hold on to these fruits for a season, a close to a season to get it to the temple for one of the, the, the three festivals. So either Shavuot they went up or they went up at for Sukkot or they will go try to make those interim trips in the summer, but that was an honor system to do so. And that's a, that's a heart commitment. No one was literally checking on them for that. That's a, that's a very good point. So a lot of life that happens in between those, what we deem those appointed times. So to hold fast to that commitment and to wait, watch over it is a big thing. Looking at the latter part of chapter 26, verses 17 through 19, will help lead us into the next part of our conversation today. Uh, it reads, You have declared today that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commandments and his rules and will obey his voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession as he has promised you and that you are to keep all his commandments and that he will set you in praise and in fame and in honor high above all nations that he has made and that you shall be your people, holy to the Lord your God as he has promised. Now, chapter 27 starts to speak on the people going to Mount Ebal and they're speaking the curses on Mount Ebal, Mount Ebal and the blessings on um, the second mountain, Mount Gerizim. So, may I just go back one before you go? Yes, absolutely. Uh, 26 verse 17, where it says, You affirmed this day, uh, Adonai is your God. That was part of the, the uh, final words regarding the confession with the first fruits. Because it is an honor system. These following words that I thought was noteworthy and things that we should remember when we're talking about faith. Mm -hmm. Okay, Adonai is your God on whose ways you will walk and whose laws and commandments and rules you will observe and whom you will obey. So it's like, if you think about it, because it was an honor system, it had to be, like you said, a part of the lifestyle of these people, of this called out group. It was part of the lifestyle, it was fabric of the life that they live. And the being a fabric of the life that you live, we talk about cultural norms or the normative uh, nature of being the only one oftentimes in a, a group setting that does something, especially when you're doing something that's right. When you're doing something that's wrong, right? The, the culture, uh, cultural norms, the act of doing the wrong thing has a way of correcting you. But when you're doing something right, according to the cultural norms, it has a way of uh, affirming you according to what they perceive is right. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that it's righteous, but what they affirm in terms of 
some things that they're proud of, so mm -hmm. to speak. So I, I love the fact that here in the scriptures, it says that you have affirmed this day that God, Adonai, is your God, and it is in his ways you will walk. In other words, we are affirming that the cultural norm is that we walk this way. Right. You know, it goes back to that old, is it an 80s song? I don't want to go into it. Yes, it is an 80s song. Walk this way, talk this way. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> but the, the, the thing is mm -hmm. that that was considered normal. If you were living in a novel generation and you heard such a thing, you would possibly be uh, shocked, uh, disapproving, etc. But when you are living in an era or in a city or in, with a people and they walk a certain way, it becomes something that is embraceable. What's wrong nowadays with doing righteousness and affirming to walk in God's way when is the distance, I think, right now with the cultural community that is walking equally that way? I think just like you're talking about the breakdown in marriages, the breakdown in, in homes, the breakdowns in uh, communities of faith, um, it is also breaking down the normative nature of walking a certain way. Okay. And it's a sad state of being because Hashem re has already told us that this was going to happen, but according to the readiness of our own spirit or the alertness of our own eyes, we are not perceiving that we need to strengthen the fences put back in order the posts that are supposed to be there so that walking in his way becomes that which is normal, not abnormal in communities of faith. Hmm. Okay. Well, I follow you just being mindful that you're always on high alert. You're always being thoughtful, present on fulfilling these commandments, doing what's right because what's common doesn't always line up that way in the cultures we live in today. I don't, I, yes, cultural norms, yes. So what you're talking about is societal norms. I'm concerned that in the, the body of Messiah, the cultural norms is not to walk the prescribed way. Hmm. The cultural norms is not to really have a sign and a pattern that looks like Hashem. The societal norms is one thing. He, you know, the scriptures keep on saying that this is a covenant people. So when they came and they affirmed, this is my first fruits, they were saying this is the covenant that I'm keeping. But what about the societal norms, not societal, but the cultural norms of walking that way that we've forgotten? It's not symbol symbolic. Like a lot of the things that we keep on uh, prescribing in this day and age. Oh, we don't have the temple, so it's all symbolic. No, it's not all symbolic. The way that you treat your wife, the way that you, you honor your, your husbands, the way that we raise our children, the way that we do business, the way that we serve each other, the way that we operate as a community, it is not symbolic. But those walking in his ways are being judged against us or for us. And we have to recognize, and this is the word that uh, Adam and I gave me about, um, about sin. 
we don't we don't really recognize that when the scripture says that you know your enemy Hasatan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This is according to the Brit Hadashah, right? That it says that he is an accuser of the saints both day and night. Well, the scriptures gave you the order for which, according to the heavenly courts, uh, an accuser or the accusation has to be founded. The accusation has to be founded by the mouth of two or three witnesses. The problem that we have as believers today is that we agree with Hasatan. We are often opening our mouths and stating and doing things so that Hasatan can use those things. And then we have both brothers, sisters of faith, uh, spouses, children that equally come alongside and give credibility to Hasatan's accusation rather than saying, my brother fell. But according to the fact that he's walking this way, I'm going to cover him with prayer. I'm going to meet my, my husband where he's faltering and I'm going to seek that God grant him wisdom so that he can walk more uprightly. What we tend to do, however, is agree with Hasatan. So the two or three, uh, two or three, so that everything can be established is often happening within our own cultural norms. That's the reason why we've broken down the family, the congregation, the, the body of believers, and in, it's in the walk. So when someone is doing good, yes, we are excited, but we don't join them. We think they're an anomaly versus the norm. And I feel like that has become the challenge to us in this day and age because the, the scripture says in Revelations that he's looking for a bride, spotless, to go back to those cultural norms. And we can do this. It's not, you know, in our own power, but because he's already given us, he's fitted us with the tools. He said, judge, judge yourself, you know, judge yourself. And if you find that you have been agreeing with Hasatan regarding the life of your brother and, you know, basically damning him based on the ways that we speak about one another versus I weep when you weep. I, I rejoice when you rejoice. Then we can get back to being able to walk in his ways. When he cries, I cry. But there is a distinguished normal of what the family or what the culture is. Who is my brother? According to the scripture is, according to uh, Messiah Yeshua, he said, who is my brother? It's the one who keeps the word. He keeps the word of my father. So if that is a Jew, I agree with him. He's my brother. If that is a Christian, I agree with him. That's my brother. Anyone that seeks to keep the word of Adonai, that is my brother. I have to be very careful and circumspect about the word that I speak towards him and how I treat him. And that, I feel, has been missing for such a long time in our cultural body. And that needs to be corrected so that we can walk correctly and keep those fences up um, amongst the entire community. It's a telling state that the level of intimacy needed, closeness, 
in not only just proximity, like, you know, who's my physical neighbor living next door, but in heart and mind and conversation, because that helps to bring all of that to pass. You know, when you don't speak to your brethren very often, it's very easy to not know what's going on in their lives, good or bad. So you don't have that connection. You don't rejoice with them. You don't try to lift them up when they're down. You just are disconnected. So, I, But I get what you're good. saying. Think about it, though, as the norms. What is the way that they are walking? I don't think that the people, the farmers that were coming from town to town were known. They saw them afar off, and they saw that they followed the pattern of the thing. They're obeying God. And they came out along from their cities and towns, and they rejoiced with them. I don't think that you have to be intimately aware, but you can be on the lookout for a brother that is walking that way to encourage him, to support him, to pray with him. And I think, I don't care if you're in a different congregation, that's not the, that is not the protocol that Hashem has given to us because he has a proportion, a portion, a, a plot of land or a, a, a what is it called, a inheritance for each of us and there's work for each of us and wherever he's he sent us so the fact that we make it our business to divorce so to speak somebody that is in a different household that Hashem may have called to that household of faith to, to serve because they are no longer with us in this particular household is stupid it's just a it's an act of stupidity because we have not recognized that what Hashem is trying to do is to grow. That's what you do. When you have a tree, you prune some of the tree. And sometimes you fit it with things that are stronger so that it would, would flourish better. And sometimes that thing, the part that pruned, that it was pruned off, you're going to put it with, you know, in another area so it can actually flourish better in that area. So Hashem is the master artist of knowing exactly what we need to grow. And just like he, with that, with this confession that was given here with my father was a wandering Armenian, or Aramean, think of it where he was coming from that he didn't in, increase until he obtained the location of the increase. He didn't obtain the full insight of what that was going to be. Whether they are, were pointing to uh, Abraham as the father specifically, or they were talking about Jacob, the fullness of the blessing of what Hashem had for them was the return back to the land, was the return and the fulfillment of the promise. So when we are looking at um, even the confession of what we're, they, they were coming up to the temple and saying, it is really an indicator that Hashem has fulfilled his promise. Look at what he's, he's brought us from, one man to now such a great harvest in many nation, in many places around this area called the Promised Land when they were in Israel. And now all around the world, he has us in so many different you know, places in the four corners of the earth. And he has called us to wake up. Wake up to who your brother truly is. Hmm. That's insightful, that's a lot to consider and a lot to seek forgiveness on. So we can definitely do much, much, much better in that regard. Chapter 27, where they begin with the curses. Um, the curses are 
as you stated, pronounced from Mountain Ball. Mm-hmm. It's um, it seems like they there's three sections, and maybe I'm seeing it in differently than other people. I uh, see twenty seven fifteen to twenty six is uh, written as curses, and then I see Deuteronomy twenty eight one through fourteen as blessings, and then in Deuteronomy twenty eight verses fifteen through sixty eight, it's another list of curses. Mm-hmm. Is that what you see? Yes. Okay. I was wondering why the the curse blessing curse language. <laughs> Do you have an, any answer for that? I don't have an answer. I have some insight. I think it, you start off by explaining what you don't do. Just like when you tell a, a toddler, no, don't put your hand in the electric socket. No, don't jump off the cliff. Because conditionally, that's how we tend to respond. But if you go, but if you listen to what I'm saying, if you hear these instructions, if you follow the rules, here's what you can get. You know, you can get a cookie after dinner. You can get to go to the park and play after you finish cleaning your room or, you know, whatever the expected good fruit of your good efforts will produce. And then sometimes we tend to get weary and well-doing. And so you've got to remind yourselves and the people that you're speaking to, hey, just make sure that you stay under a straight and narrow because if you fall off, these are the things that could happen on the other side. And... Maybe it's ashamedly, maybe it's, you know, just poor training from our parents. Um, but we get uh, more motivated by avoiding pain than pleasure. Yeah, <clears throat> you do these good things, you'll get all these wonderful blessings. And But if you don't, it's going to hurt. You're going to break a toe, you're going to do this, you're going to get that. And like, ooh, I don't want that. And then you just keep the rules to just avoid the con- the negative consequence. As more than achieving the positive. So I think that's what the cursing sandwich, as you put it, is about. Just trying to keep people's minds and hearts aligned. Because sometimes you forget the good, but you try to avoid the bad. What did you think when you came upon that insight? Well, I, I, uh, the insight, I didn't necessarily have an answer. I do appreciate the insight you've just provided. But when I read it, I felt like everyone that I've ever been taught under, oftentimes only highlighted the blessings, which is Deuteronomy 28, um, 1 through 14. But in light of the fact that it was written as a complete, uh, it was supposed to be declared as a complete sandwich, so to speak, Mm -hmm. I really do feel that they've missed out on the way to walk because they don't listen to the curses. So the prescribedness or the, the what do you call the the pathway of walking the line, so to speak, is missed because all you're focusing on is what I'm going to get. But you're not being insightful in the the proper way to get it. Hmm. So by looking at, I guess I do have some insight, but by looking at the, the, the curses, you start to gain insight in regards to the what nots to do's so that you can walk insightfully or respectfully before I deny your God, and then how to live with your brother um, and to treat him as you say, as the scripture says, to love him as you love yourself. And then also you can say in your heart that you are doing what you ought to because you've already agreed with your mouth 
by virtue of hearing the entirety of what is required. So I, I think it's a benefit to have the sandwich because I don't think it's beneficial to, and I'll be honest with you, to be focused solely on what I'm getting without the responsibility of what this requires or what can come when I am not ben beneficially loving the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. And then it's, the, I guess, the sandwich, that's possibly how it's ordered. I don't know. I'm gonna, we're going to kind of read it just now. And then loving my neighbor as myself. You know, it's not about me. I see that the me sandwich is the blessing portion. But the the me sandwich is the us sandwich, really. Because mm -hmm. it's about how we treat one another and how we appear before Adonai. How we walk in his ways. But we don't, I don't think we've ever read that like that. And I think that's the disconnect. And the correction needs to happen that when, I know that in uh, Yom Kippur, I think a portion of this is reading, some of the curses are read, and we have to say amen to the curses. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's beneficial to read the entirety um, because you're missing out on the proper way to walk before Adonai and to walk with your brother if you don't read it in its entirety. So I don't know if we have time for that, but the, the scripture I wanted to read specifically was you know, the blessings of God are yes and amen. Um, and I think that's where we tend to focus our hearts. Oh, yes and amen. Um, and I, I wanted to get exactly where that is, but I, don't, I can't find it. I have it written down in one of my, um, my notebooks here. Um, but it is beneficial for us to also remember that uh, Hashem commanded them to also say amen to the curses. Mm -hmm. So would you be so kind to also read the, the this is going to be a, a lengthy reading, but still I think one that would be beneficial. 27, 15 um. to 28, 68. And I'll just be the responder. All right. Um, I had Move forward to give another piece of insight, but I'm scrolling okay. back up. No, no. Insight, well, no, it was going towards the end of this. So, all right, verse 15. So it reads, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the field. Amen. Cursed shall you be your basket and your kneading bowl. Amen. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the, your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Amen. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. Amen. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion and frustration and all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. Amen. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Amen. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat, and with drought and with blight and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. Amen. And the heaven shall, over your head shall be bronze and the earth under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder from heaven. Dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. Amen. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You mm. shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And, mm. and you shall be a horror to all the kings of the earth. Mm. And your dead body shall be food for all birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth. And they shall be no one to frighten them away. Mm. 
The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and scabs and itch of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind, and you shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways. Amen. And you shall be only oppressed and robbed continually, and there shall be no one to help you. Amen. You shall betroth a wife, but another man shall ravish her. Mm. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not enjoy its fruit. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, <clears throat> but you shall not eat any of it. Your donkey shall be seized before your face, but shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, but there shall be no one to help you. Amen. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, while your eyes look on and fall with longing for them all day long, but you shall be helpless. A, a nation that you have not known shall eat up the fruit of your ground and of all your labors, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually, so that you are driven mad by the sights that your eyes see. The Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with grievous boils, of which you cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the crown of your head. The Lord will bring you and your king whom you set over you to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone. Mm -hmm. And you shall become a horror, a proverb, and a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. Mm -hmm. You shall carry much seed into the field and shall gather in little, for the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olive shall drop off. You shall mm -hmm. father sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. Mm -hmm. The cricket shall possess all your trees and the fruit of your ground. The sojourner who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. Mm -hmm. All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, because of the abundance of all things, Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and lacking everything. Mm -hmm. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the end of the earth, swooping down like the eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand, a hard-faced nation who shall not respect the old or show mercy to the young. It shall eat the offspring of your cattle and the fruit of your ground until you are destroyed. It shall not leave you grain, wine, or oil, the increase of your herds, or the young of your flock until they have caused you to perish. Mm -hmm. They shall besiege you in all your towns until your high and fortified walls in which you trusted come down throughout all your land, and they shall besiege you in all your towns throughout your land, which the Lord your God has given you. And you shall eat the fruit of your womb, the flesh of your sons and daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you, in the siege and in the distress with which your enemy shall distress you. The man who is the most tender and refined among you will begrudge food 
to his brother, to the wife he embraces, and to the last of the children whom he has left, so that he will not give to any of them any of the flesh of his children whom he is eating, because he has nothing else left. In the siege and in the distress with which your enemy shall distress you in all your towns, the most tender and refined woman among you, who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because she is so delicate and tender, will begrudge to the husband she embraces, to her son and to her daughter, her afterbirth that comes out from between her feet, and her children whom she bears, because lacking everything she will eat them secretly, in the siege and in the distress with which your enemy shall distress you in your towns. And wrapping up, yeah. I apologize. I was not looking at what you started to read. You didn't start from twenty seven fifteen. Yes, I did. Where's the blessings? That's uh, that's the beginning. That's no, about the fourteen. No, 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 no. You did not read the right order. <laughs> you are reading. Um, I'm, I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go for right now. But it's the wrong order. You. The, the order was 27, 27, 15 through 26. Ah, got you. The curses upon my evil. Yes. And then okay. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. All right. 28, then uh, the, the second half of it is the result of the curses. Really? So I was like, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm saying amen, 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 a lot longer here than I'm supposed to. The only thing I'm supposed to say amen to is 15 through 26. And then 28, 1 through 14 is the blessings. Right. All right. So we ate the sandwich upside down. So we'll start with um, 27, 15. You don't have to to start. You don't have to go. What are you going to do? I don't understand. I was just going to go back to the top of the section. 27, 15. Right. I'm there now. Okay. So you're just going to read from there beginning? Right. Okay. So sorry. Go ahead. And the Levite shall declare to all the men in Israel in a loud voice, Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his father's wife because he has uncovered his father's nakedness. Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with any kind of animal. And Go ahead. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his sister, whether the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who strikes down his neighbor in secret. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who takes a bribe to shed innocent blood. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. All right, so now that we've gotten through all of the things that can go wrong by not being obedient, the first part of chapter 28 has the blessings for obedience. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. 
Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Okay. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Okay. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Okay. Blessed shall be, blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Okay. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground within the land the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the works of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you should only go up and not down. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Ken. Now, for all the people that are wondering why you keep calling on someone named Ken, could you could explain <laughs> what you're saying? Uh, going back to the scripture, is he, Ken is yes. Mm. Um, it's going back to the, the scripture, uh, all the promises of God are yes and amen. That's Ken. Okay. Got it. Fantastic. So, now moving to chapter 29, since we've eaten this sandwich and we've had our fill of the blessings for obedience and understand. I think understand. we really need to record this because <laughs> that was a messed up sandwich, but okay. It's all right. Sometimes you need to understand what happens on the other side of the of the coin so you can understand why it's important that you do it because it's not just for your own individual prosperity, but you and the community also partake in this. And sometimes we think, well, I'm good. What does it matter about everybody else? Well... If you got a house and one wall is sturdy and three are falling, it's only a matter of time before the whole thing collapses. So you, you can't just look at yourself and go, well, me and my four, we're fine. So the rest of them, well, it, at some point it's going to come your way. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just say this. In regards to um, the portion that I was saying amen to, which is uh, the second half of the curses, 28, 15 through 68, it is not commonly... Um, more historically, uh, that they would have said, uh, they tend to say amen in the portions that was written amen, Deuteronomy 27, 15 through 26. But I would assume because the curse section in Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68 was a result of the curse that of disobedience, it would have also been required that they would have given a a, a uh, what's the right word? The confirmation. word of confirmation on it as well. So maybe they would have said amen at the end versus like individually like I just did. Um, but the scriptures ends in Deuteronomy twenty eight verses sixty nine 
by stating, these are the terms of the covenant, which Adonai commanded Moses to conclude with the Israelites in the land of Moab, in addition to the covenant, which was made with them at Horeb or Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. So I think when you're accepting, like we always want to hear like the good stuff. We want, we want the, every human being wants to be right. But we need to recognize to be right before Adonai means that we have to work circumspectly according, just going back to the walk in his ways. Mm -hmm. And when we don't walk in his ways, there is forgiveness, but blatant, and this is where I wanted to do this word from, um, blatant uh, disregard for his ways is what, where these curses come from. And Pastor Mark Biltz today talked about the sin, how we translate it in, in um, English, is oftentimes up to eight different words. Um, actually, he has actually 10 different words here. So it goes from hata, hata, which is a missing of the mark, all the way to ra, which is considered evil. Mm -hmm. And the progression, or you can say the, the levels of what we call sin or the transgression of law is really where we need to really understand when these curses would come upon them to what level the people had sinned. All right, so the word kata, as we just said, a, a, a kata, 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 mm -hmm. I'm trying to say it properly, is to miss the mark. But as in the words of um, Pastor Mark Biltz, at least they were aiming for the target. Mm -hmm. um, transgression is a pesha. It's to revolt or to break away from a just authority. Mm -hmm. Then we have a avam, a perversity, or to twist or to distort. Then we have a shama, to not obey, which is, I guess you can say, the, 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 related to the same thing we call shma, uh, to obey, to listen and obey. The shama, um, uh, not obey. Then we have a abad, to work, in a sense, it's by implication to serve or enslave or be kept in bondage, abad. Mm -hmm. Then we have the ma'al. The ma'al is treachery or falsehood, grievously sore transgression to trespass, ma'al. Uh, this is followed by outright rebellion, which is the ma'ra, to make bitter, to rebel. The ma'ra, ma'ra. And after the marab, this, this develops into wickedness, which is the rasha, which is morally wrong or an actively bad person, the rasha. And there's similar Hebrew words that are translated as iniquity with the aleph at the beginning rather than the ayin. The rasha is then followed by the awen, to pant. Hence, to exert oneself, usually in vain, to come to naught, strictly nothingness. Concluding with the word for evil, it is generally the awen, awen ra, awen ra, and which is ra meaning evil. The awen ra to pant after, to be compelled, 
So it says, Genesis 6, 5, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his heart was only evil continually. The Awen-Ra. Uh, and this is why, and this is going for the word again, Ra, evil. And in Genesis 6, 6, And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart because of the affliction and calamity, his Ra, this evilness that he was perpetually seeking after. So those are the progression of sins. And so when we think about how does one become cursed, it's not because, hey, I was aiming in the right direction and I missed it. That's not the curses that Hashem is like, man, if you mess up, as soon as you mess up, here's the list of curses. That is, he's talking about this progressing, progression of where I'm not, I'm going to disobey so badly that you're going to know that my heart is perpetually against what you've commanded me to do. And that's where these curses are, uh, this list of curses are coming from. And so I really thought that was helpful because it, it is oftentimes perceived that Hasatan is actually more forgiving for whatever reason in some people's eyes. They, they think God is out to get them. Like, really, the one who created the blessings, the things that you really want, is just putting it there for, to, to play with you? Or is it really that you don't understand the nature of your own heart, that it has become so twisted, which I, I love this uh, the progression, which is like the third level in called iniquity. We've twisted. we become perverse in that we see, you know, evil as good and good as evil. Because it begins there and it progresses to raw evilness, that you perceive that the thing that should be calling you to righteousness is the thing that you should be outwardly and fully committed to destroying or rebelling against. So let's be very careful about what we're doing as a people because I do feel like we think that it's not seen or perceived at what progression or what level our sin has become before Adonai. And that's where these, these curses are really coming from, these progressive acts of sinning. It's like I literally turned... Twisting is like, okay, ah, maybe it could be. I don't really know for sure. Well, believe me, after you twist something, you're going to be in the wrong direction. And your heart is going to move towards which is the, the ultimate sin, which is raw. Hmm. So we don't want to be found evil in Hashem's sight, nor do we want to be evil in our own hearts. No man wants to be completely wrong, but at the end, or wrong, period. So why don't we just seek what's right? Seek what he's trying to express to us by aiming and seeing exactly by being obedient where this could go. Where this, where God wants to express himself of walking in his ways, what this looks like, what does that feel like? Mm. I don't think that that's the challenge in most pulpits and in most congregations. We're so accustomed to being perverse and twisted that we are not challenging each other to walk uprightly. Well, I'm, I'm tired, personally, of believing for something that I am not willing to be committed to. So I am challenging anybody that wants to walk uprightly that there's other people on God's green earth that equally want to live this blessing and want to know for themselves that Hashem is real and his promises are real and that not only can I hit the target, but that Hashem is going to command a blessing on me so I can be a sign that I've hit this target properly. That's the goal. The goal is that you now know. That's what they came confessing. 
I'm affirming that now, look, the promises is, is fulfilled. Look. So chapter 29 sums it all up, and I think this helps to bring everything to full context. So from verse 2 through verse 6. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. But to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or ears to see or ears to hear. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn off your feet. You have not eaten bread and you have not drunk wine or strong drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God. So echoing a lot of what Laverne has just been saying, we are so used to someone else showing us, quote unquote, what the right way is. That intimate conversation with Hashem to sit there and know what is right and true for yourself, you haven't done. Just like the congregation of Israel leaned on Moses and they leaned on Aaron and Eleazar to um, give them the instructions, the Levites to give them the instructions. But they didn't sit there and seek God for themselves. They were like, until someone else tells me it's wrong, it ain't wrong because I don't know any better. But at some point, the commitment, the connection has to become personal and intimate and one-on-one. -on -one. No matter how much you try to avoid it by saying, well, it's not my fault. I was taught wrong. How many years can you go along with that one? At some point, you've got to open up your heart to understand. You've got to open up your eyes to see and your ears to hear on a personal level. You've seen too much. You've been around too much. You've experienced too much. You know too much. It's time to step up and walk in all that we're here to do. Amen. Amen. Anything else you'd like to add? All right. This has been great. Shalom, y'all. So as we conclude this podcast episode, we always encourage those that are listening to like, share, subscribe, and continue the dialogue with us. By all means, please feel free to share any of these sessions with anyone within your circle and those that you meet. May we all be enlightened by our study together and learning of the world. And to reach us, our website is return.rest and email is call to the number two at return.rest. So by all means, send your questions, your comments, your thoughts. Let's see what we can do to keep making this something of great value to each other. And as we close, we'll close with the Eskayim prayer. Eskayim ki amachazikim bar betom mekeha mevishar derachcheha darkei noah vechol nativotika shalom hashivenu aranai eleka venashuba kharesh it is a tree of life to those who take hold of it, and those who support it are praiseworthy. Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. Bring us back 
Lord, to you and we shall come renew our days as of old. Shalom, y'all.